0: Welcome you to another edition of the Antioch Bible Study. I'd like to thank everyone who joined us for the One Week Kingdom Life Empowerment Conference. All the ministrations are available on YouTube. And for those who were not able to attend, I would encourage you to visit our YouTube page and listen to some of those teachings or all of those teachings, because they bear directly on an empowered spiritual life, how you and I can have, um, can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, as kings and priests unto our God. Hallelujah, Amen. Amen. Okay, we return to our studies in the Gospel of John, and today we are focusing on the feeding of the 5,000, the miraculous feeding of the 5,000. Shall we bow our heads to pray? King immortal, invisible, the only true God, the creator and possessor of all heaven and earth. We come washed, thoroughly washed in the blood of Jesus. We come clothed in the righteousness of Christ so that nothing will hinder us before you. So that it will please you, O Lord our God, to breathe your life into us through your word. That we may live here determined in our hearts individually to follow in your footsteps all to the glory of your most holy name for it is in Jesus awesome name we pray amen 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 okay I'm going to read from the new revised standard version John chapter 6 after this Jesus went to the other side of the sea of Galilee also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now on the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was there. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, six months wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many people? Jesus said, oh, make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place. So they sat down about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled 12 baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Amen. Amen. Now, John's account of the life and times of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, takes us to this astounding miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Now, this particular miracle was reported in all four Gospels. Matthew 14, 13 to 21, Mark 6, 31 to 34, Luke 9, 11 to 17. We gather more details of this event from the other accounts. So let us begin with the very first verse. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. Exactly what event was John referring to here? We find the answer in Matthew's account. We are told that this was after the report came to him about the beheading of John the Baptist by Herod at the request of the adulterous Herodias. Here's the record. Matthew fourteen thirteen. when Jesus heard the news about John, he left there in a boat and went to a lonely place by himself. The people heard about it, and so they left their towns and followed him by land. Now, we learn quite a few lessons from this development. The death of John was a development that would need to be discussed with the father. Therefore, it calls for an immediate retreat to commune with God. That's a very important lesson of spiritual life in our own personal daily walk with God, when we come face to face with situations that are somewhat precipitous, you know, happened, as it were, we must take time out
1: to hear from God who
0: sees and knows present and future now, And that's what is important. How will the death of John pan out? What impact will he have on my work and ministry? What about my own personal safety? What what exactly does it mean? Is, Is Herod and Herodias out to persecute preachers of righteousness? These are questions that emerge. It reminds me of the experience of the remnants In the Bible, after the deportation of King Zedekiah to Babylon in in Jeremiah, the king of Babylon left Gedaliah as his regent. Then some rascals, okay, they came, include relations of the deported king, they came and they murdered Gedaliah. So, Johanan, one of the soldiers left behind, you know, they pursued uh, 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 the people who murdered Gedaliah uh, and they fled. But then after they got back from that, they were like, should we stay? You know, the king of Babylon may come for a reprisal. But then Jeremiah was still there. So they went to Jeremiah and said, pray for us. Pray for us. We want to know from God exactly how we should respond. To the death of Gedaliah. Okay, Jeremiah agreed. He went into a retreat, and after 10 days, he comes, he came back with an answer. This is what God is saying. Okay, stay here. Jeremiah 42:9. The Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me with your request, has said, if you're willing to go on living in this land, then I will build you up and not tear you down. I will plant you and not pull you up. The destruction I brought on you has cost me great sorrow. Stop being afraid of the king of Babylon. I am with you and I will rescue you from his power because I am merciful. I will make him have mercy on you and let you go back home. I, the Lord, have spoken. But you see, they had already made up their mind in which direction to be. This is important in spiritual life. When you, go, when you and I go to God, you know, Situations develop, and we go to God to seek counsel, to seek direction. And then he, 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 he points the direction in which we ought to go. Oh, we better just follow it. But, you know, it didn't make any sense to them, you know, because they felt that if Nebuchadnezzar ever got to know that Gedaliah has been killed, he will come here and wipe out everybody. That's what we call commonsensical reasoning. But then the prophet comes back and said, don't worry about the reprisal. It will not take place. Just stay here. But now, <laughs> hear, hear their response in Jeremiah 43.2. Then Azariah, son of Hushai, and Johanan, son of Kerea, and all the other arrogant men said to me, you are lying. The Lord our God did not send you to tell us not to go and live in Egypt. Baruch, son of Neriah, has stirred you up against us so that the Babylonians will gain power over us and, and can either kill us or take us away to Babylon. So neither Johanna nor any of the army officers nor any of the people would obey the Lord's command to remain in the land of Judah. Now, I, find, I always find this story very fascinating. Because what is commonsensical wisdom was to flee to Egypt. The opposing power, you know, Babylon was rising with great power. Egypt was also there, an ancient power. But unknown to them, you see, this is is why we go to the Lord, unknown to them. Nebuchadnezzar was planning the invasion of Egypt. The only kingdom he has not conquered. He was planning the invasion of Egypt. And unfortunately for them, they settled in Tapanes. That city was on the path of the march of Nebuchadnezzar to Egypt. That's how they were all destroyed. So the thing they feared at home followed them to where they ran to. And yet God has said to them, stay here. This is where my protection will be with you. If you go out there, you're on your own. So it is not surprising that our Lord Jesus Christ, he practiced this. They came and said, John has been beheaded. Immediately, he took off. I need to have conversation with the father on that matter. To confirm that the danger was real, that our Lord Jesus Christ was not imagining it, we are told in Luke thirteen thirty-one. at that hour, some Pharisees came and told Jesus, leave and get away from here for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, go and tell that fox, listen, I am driving out demons and healing today and tomorrow and on that third day, I will finish my work. But I must be on my way today, tomorrow, and the next day. For it's not possible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Okay, now, our Lord Jesus Christ has had this conversation with the Father. And the whole uh, issue of the beheading of John the Baptist has been put in its correct perspective. And now he says to her, go tell that folks, uh, I cast out devils. I perform miracles today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will finish my work. And of course, you know what he was talking about, you know, because he always talked um, uh, prophetically or symbolically about his death and resurrection, okay? We learn from all these that our Lord Jesus still stayed in Galilee until the Father was ready for him to proceed to Jerusalem for his last Passover on earth. Our Lord Jesus Christ was supposed to have spent four Passovers during the period of his ministries, but but I am not sure that he went to this Passover, this one that was very near, you know, but he stayed in Galilee. Okay, so the lesson we take away from this is, is that whether the danger is real or imagined, We must follow the directives of the Father so that his purposes can be fulfilled in in the way he wants them fulfilled. Okay, so let us go to the story, the feeding of the 5,000. Our Lord Jesus took the boat across the sea of Tiberias, but the people walked up north to the place where River Jordan entered the sea of Galilee. Now, here's what Buckley wrote about that. Two miles up the river were the forts of Jordan. Near the forts was a village called Bethsaida Julius. To distinguish it from the other Bethsaida in Galilee. And it was for that place that our Lord Jesus was headed Now, Nehabit said that Julius, almost on the lakeside, was a little plain where the grass always grew. It was to be the scene of this wonderful miracle. As can be imagined, there is, there is no how, 5,000 men, not counting women and children, could have found themselves enough boats to cross the sea. So they, they walked up, they walked up, Um, all the way to where they could cross without a boat. Okay? Now, as Jesus alighted from the boat, there was already a crowd, and they were growing by the minute. Many of them had been with him all day on the other side of the lake, and the place of his retreat was a desert place. It was not populated. Community. And that is what gave rise to the crisis, so called. What will these people eat in this deserted and desert place? Our Lord showed his compassion for the people. As revealed in verses 5 and 6, when he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. It was natural to ask Philip, because Philip was from Bethsaida. And so, if anyone of the disciples should know a bakery or eatery in the area, it should be Philip. But our Lord Jesus was only testing their faith as his followers. Because, as we are told, he knew what he would do. This is a very powerful insight into faith and prayers. The Lord always knows what he will do. Our prayer is to ask him to please impose his solution on our situation. Because that solution is in our best interest. All things considered. We do not ask the Father to endorse our will or to do things our way. We ask him to manifest his will in our situation. His will is always backed up by his power and provisions. This is why prayer and the solutions that follow are easier for us when we do as he tells us to do. But despite that, We see that we have our part in the miraculous interventions of God. Oh, yes, we always have our part. So Andrew came up with information that there is a lad with five barley loaves and two fish. We are told that barley flour is used to make the cheapest bread. So the boy gave up his lunch for our Lord Jesus to use for the miraculous feeding of the 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Now, some have wondered whether this miracle contradicted our Lord's response to the first temptation by the devil. Command these stones to become bread the answer is by no means the reason for these feeding miracles is stated clear in the feeding of the 4000 in Matthew 1532 now jesus summoned his disciples and said i have compassion on the crowd because they've already stayed with me 3 days and have nothing to eat i don't want to send them away hungry. Otherwise, they might collapse on the way. That's the reason. In the case of the feeding of the 5,000, the people had also been with him all day, and they had walked miles to cross the River Jordan, and then come to meet him where he was, two miles up, two miles down. So he had compassion on them and felt that it was necessary to give them food so that while they were on their way home, none would collapse out of hunger. Okay, so we move on to the supplier of the seed for the miracle, the little boy's lunch pack in verses eight and nine. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Five loaves and two fish may sound like a large lunch for a boy, but no matter the size, it cannot be enough to feed but a few children but what we recognize in it is a sacrificial seed. I've often reminded the saints that although God can walk alone as Yahweh, he often wants us to bring along our sacrificial seed. It is an important spiritual principle. You know, a a man is asking you to, to contribute uh, 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 to, to feed the, the poor and the hungry uh, in here. And then someone asks him, how much have you put in yourself? Oh, I don't have to put in anything. I don't have to put... No, that's, that, that, that violates the principle. You know, we are, you're going to feed Jesus. Our Lord is going to feed 5,000. What are they bringing? What are they bringing? Now, it is interesting. Because um, what I have, this, this is the principle of the seed. What I have may not be enough. Certainly in this case will not be enough to do anything at all. But when we put it in the hands of the master, then it becomes something else completely. It's a powerful lesson of faith. When I give what I have to the Lord, He multiplies it to solve not just my problem, but that of others. It is for this reason that we can say that those who sow nothing, they reap nothing. When the little boy gave up his lunch, he was fed, and thousands of others who were starving we are also fed. I had the privilege to speak at a a church celebration after they raised money to buy a plot of land. And the pastor told me that the man who gave the most gave 10 million. The man who gave the least gave 49. But some may have felt that when you looked at the money that was needed, Put in 10 naira, put in 20 naira, put in 40 naira. It's many less. You less. Know, who needs that your 10 naira? But that's not the principle. That's not the principle, you see? When there is a need, you know, even if it is five naira, even if it is 10 naira that you, can, you feel you can afford, then make your own contribution. Put in your own seed. There is something about seed and harvest. When we, you put in a seed and there is a harvest, you too, you are blessed. Others are blessed, but you too, you are blessed. But when you don't put in a seed, you know, then, then you rob yourself the opportunity to reap a harvest. It's, it's a very important principle. And every Christian needs to understand that. You know, now and again, you, you find people grumbling about... Um, opportunities to give, in careless, we make a point not to push people to give, but to, but, to, but to let them realize that like our Lord Jesus Christ said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And in, in, in fairness to many of our people, oh yes, they have bought mightily and seriously into this. And they gave of their own volition as moved by the spirit you know, to support the work. And it's been an amazing encouragement. But it's not a, a principle that is uh, meant for just a few. No, every time there's an opportunity to give, every time there's an opportunity to sow, to, to support the vision or a work of the kingdom that you are part of, it is always necessary. No matter. The amount is not the issue. The, the, the five belly loaves and two fish, you know, a, a little boy's lunch pack. is it, not that it, it seems like it is, compared to what is needed, it's nothing. But that's all that our Lord Jesus Christ needed to work the miracle. Now, it is interesting that um, um, when you come to think of it, that it couldn't be only that boy <laughs> that had a lunch pack. I mean, common sense, you know, rational reasoning. will we'll make you imagine that there are quite a few others who had a lunch pack, but they're like, ah, you know, they're, they're looking for somebody who has a lunch pack, you know, <laughs> what will that do? I don't think I can give up my lunch pack. I, don't, I cannot risk. Going home hungry, I, I have a long distance. People can have a thousand and one reasons, you know, um, um, why they shouldn't contribute. But then this little boy, maybe because he's a child, you know, that's why our Lord Jesus Christ said, you should have faith like little children. You know, he didn't think too far ahead. Well, I could give them whatever they can do with it, you know, that's good. You know, and a huge, Need was met in the lives of so many. That's the awesome thing about a seed. And you know, you know, if you have been into famine, you know, that when you plant a, a, a seed of corn, okay, then you come three months later, you may find two or three, you know, or at least one big and two or three, or one or two small cups on the stock. You know, so that your one seed has given rise to a whole cup and a smaller one sometimes. You know, And this is the power of the seed, that when we sow a seed, God multiplies it, not only to bless us, but to bless so many other people. That is such is the power of a seed. And then we would have the harvest not only in time, but also in eternity. Now, there's something interesting here. Um, Our Lord Jesus Christ, um, we'll come to that, but he said to, to, to let nothing waste, but to pick up all the fragments. And then they picked up 12 baskets of fragments from. Five barley loaves and two fish. Twelve baskets was picked up. Now, where did they find the baskets? The commentators tell us that uh, the disciples carry um, a foldable basket. You know, that, that is part of, um, 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 what do you call, the, the, what, what itinerant people carry foldable baskets so in case you 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 know go out and meet something then you bring out your basket and put it in you know so so that that could explain the 12 baskets okay so so, so they picked up this so each each disciple then brought out their basket and and they picked up the fragments okay so that's how come there are 12 baskets you know so so now, But then some preachers would like to suggest that uh, they then decided to carry the 12 baskets and uh, follow the boy home to show the parents the the, the, the harvest from his sacrificial giving. I wish it were so. That would make a very nice ending to the story. But unfortunately, the Bible didn't say that. (laughs) You know, it just said that they picked up 12 baskets okay and, and but what it shows is that the little that we give to God you know when God has used it it, it, it becomes so much that you and I cannot begin to imagine what our little has produced and that's really the lesson you know like Solomon's so in the morning, in the afternoon and evening, don't stop sowing because you don't know the one that will bring you the harvest you are really looking for. So it is important as a principle of spiritual life for every Christian to take every opportunity they have to support the vision of the work of the kingdom. You know, we, we just finished a conference And and, um, quite a a number of people of their own initiative, okay, supported, you know, supported the vision, particularly of that, um, you know, and like I was sharing uh, during one of our prayer meetings, you know, somebody all the way in America, you know, called me and said she, she and her husband have decided to support the work. That's awesome. You know, so, so every time such a thing is happening, I encourage to, 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 to use the opportunity prayerfully to say, Lord, okay, what should, what should I do to support this work? Presumably, the other people who came uh, uh, um, to hear our Lord Jesus Christ kept their lunch to themselves. You know, it was this boy that brought his own and that's why we're talking about him, Even though we don't know his name, but what he did is become an inspiration over the years to you and I and to others before us and others who will come after us to be available with our seed for our Lord Jesus Christ to use to bless people in their lives. Hallelujah. So, we come to the grace before dinner, verse 11, then Jesus loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. Our Lord Jesus Christ was always in this habit of giving thanks before dinner, giving thanks. you know, In the communion he said, He took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. It is important to always remember to give thanks. It reminds me of the prayer we used to say before a meal when I was in school. Some have food but cannot eat. Some can eat but have no food. We have food and we can eat. Thank you, Lord, for everything. Hallelujah. It's it's a simple prayer, but it captures it all, you know, because when you see people, you know, who have food and cannot eat, that's when you know that those who have a good appetite are blessed and so should be grateful. Every time you come to eat and you have a great appetite, ah, you should thank God. Many years ago, during the Civil War, I, I, I fell ill during the Civil War, and I couldn't eat, you know. But to stay alive, I used to swallow my food like medicine, you know, so I have no loss of appetite. I know how terrible it can be. So, people have choked on their food, so eating may be very common, but it can also be dangerous. We must find a place in our hearts for genuine gratitude to God at every meal. It is the testimony of our dependence on God, not just for provision, but for even the process of eating. The food, the appetite, the health to digest it and all that come through it. It will not be far-fetched then to suggest that it's always the thanksgiving that triggered the miracle of multiplication and abundant supply. So let us always have a heart of gratitude. You know, ask the Holy Spirit to always remind you to have a heart of gratitude. You know, thank God for big things. Thank God for small things. You know, thank God for not so big things. Thank God for everything. So it is important to always be grateful. Okay, so we leave that and then we move to the response of the people in verses 14 and 15. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, He withdrew again to the mountain by himself. This is the point about the first temptation, okay? The response of the people here is predictable. As we say here in Nigeria, there are people, you know, who can only hear well through their stomach, you know? You know, (laughs) I went to preach. I went to preach in a church in America, and and they had all these tables set out with so much food, And I was asking the pastor, I said, why do you always have to give food, you know, every time we have these meetings? ah, He said to me, if you don't bring food, they won't come. (laughs) They only hear through the stomach. (laughs) That that explains why our Lord Jesus Christ rejected that method of spreading his gospel of self-sacrifice and love. It will mainly attract people whose only interest is what they can get out of it, you know. Oh, where are you going? I'm, oh, I'm going to that meeting. Is that where they give the lunch? Say yes. Ah, I'm coming too. <laughs> it's not where they are teaching the principles of godly living. No, is that is that that's the place they give the lunch? Yes. Yeah. Ah. Okay. I'll come along. And these people, were, if if this man can provide a, a table, you know, for 5,000 men, not counting women and children. A lunch for 12,000. He should be king. Whatever he wants, we'll give him. But that's not the kind of followership that our Lord Jesus Christ was looking for. By providing free lunch, our Lord Jesus Christ became an instant hero. And quite a few were ready to have him become their king. Perhaps he just might decide to provide a daily free lunch to all comers. You know, nobody was discriminated against. Everybody sat down. Everybody had a portion. Everybody ate. They were filled. They were satisfied. Awesome. He should be king. But as we shall see subsequently in this chapter, our Lord Jesus was very vehement in denouncing what we can call the gastronomic faith response, that faith is based on the food, not on the gospel. Okay, we, we leave that and we move on to um, our Lord Jesus Christ's uh, insistence that nothing must be wasted. John chapter 6, verse 12. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. There is every reason why nothing must be lost. First and foremost, this was no longer ordinary bread produced by a baker. This is supernatural bread that must have worked wonders beyond satisfying hunger in all those who ate it for our Lord Jesus Christ is the living bread. Beyond this also is the concept of waste. The fact that resources or supplies are abundant where you are does not justify waste and loss. This is why we must be very careful to only take portions we can finish use things that we can maximize particularly if it is a buffet meal where you are allowed to take as much as you can eat knowing that many are starving okay particularly here in nigeria it will be basically immoral to waste food i've been to places where they're very particular about wasting food. And they are very, very insistent that you take only what you can finish, that nobody should have their plate littered with unused food that have been messed up and now have to be thrown away. So they would rather you took small portions and keep taking small portions, but always what you can finish, than mass, mass up your plate and then leave the rest. These are little principles of godliness that uh, every one of us must put into our lives. Be conscious of the fact that I cannot you know, be party to waste when there is so much need all around me, all around me. So it is important in this uh, um, um, story, about the feeding of the 5,000. So take away all these principles and begin to apply them in our lives, knowing that, you know, we too have opportunities to be a blessing to others, you know, so that we should not, like the little boy, we must not hesitate to come forward with our seed, to come forward with our gift, to come forward with our help. Other people may be waiting, well, I'm not the only one who has a pack here. You know, let other people go. No. But you know, like we say in our local parlance that a goat fed by many people always starves. Because this one we say, well, this one has gone to get it. This one has gone to get it. At the end, nobody went to get it. God is calling us to be sensitive to the needs around us, to be part of the solution that Christ is working in our communities and and be there always ready and available for God to use us to bless others. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Doctor. So new
1: insights to a common story. But in terms of uh, questions, you know, you talk about waste not, want not. And some people use that uh, as an excuse to be stingy. Can you please uh,
0: address Oh, oh, no, 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 no. This is not about um, being stingy. This is is making it available, but warning those who use it to only make use of what they need to avoid waste. It's it's not a, a question of what is provided. What is provided is sufficient and sometimes abundant, but it does not justify waste. I have been to uh, um, all you can eat. You know, if you you go to America, there are quite some places you go and it's all you can eat. They don't take away, but all you can eat, you know? And you see people take bits and pieces and and they just keep, when the people come to pack the plates, you know, all so much leftovers, you know? And, 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 you know, you take um, four pieces of chicken, you eat two, you know? It doesn't make any sense. Take one at a time, okay? If you finish that one you still think you need another one, it's still that there, go and take another one. But to pack four and eat one or eat one and a half and then the rest go to the bin. That's the principle. It's not about about uh, being stingy. No. Okay sir. Also
1: uh, on on still on this issue of food, someone asks, is it wrong to give people food as a means of attracting them to come and hear the gospel, especially in certain areas <laughs> where once in a while, uh, food is used to invite people, they invite them to eat so that they can offer them food. Also, in all these um, feeding centers that a lot of churches are now going into, the whole point well, is I that they attract uh, people with food, they, are, they teach you know, them the gospel.
0: You know, I was president of the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship, pioneer president of the Kenya chapter. And that's what we did, you know, we, but, but, but that's what we call, that, that, in that, in that, under those circumstances, that food is what we call a fishing tool, you know? It's a fishing tool. You know, you know the, the bait, the bait you put at the end of your hook, you know, for the fish. So, so that food is, is, is not in that sense, you know? The, 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 the food as a fishing tool for evangelism is a t- totally different concept you know that people like to eat in expensive restaurants. So you invite them to an expensive restaurant. And, and the whole idea, uh, which uh, Demons Sakarian actually uh, uh, articulated, is that after they've eaten your food and they didn't pay, <laughs> they're ob- obligated to sit and hear you out. That is it. That's the whole concept. And it worked. It did work because we used to pack out uh, Sheraton in those days, and uh, so many people gave their lives to Christ, you know. Because after they've eaten our food, they have to sit down and hear us out. That's okay, a fishing sir. bait. That's a fishing bait.
1: All right, sir. Another question, sir. Whether real or imagined, you talked about the, the example with uh, Gedaliah and Jeremiah. It says we must follow the directions of the Lord. When we inquire of the Lord, we must do it with an intention to obey can you please
0: oh yes add some see, see the whole the whole idea of inquiring from the lord is that you don't know the future you see that's, that's a development you don't know how the people are going to respond now when you now go to the lord and he says don't run sit here You better sit here because that's where he's going to protect you. Wherever you're going, you'll be on your own. But that place where he says, stay here, then you you will be staying in faith and, and, and faith moves every mountain. You see, this is the whole idea. Because if they had known, if they had looked into a crystal ball and discovered that in a few months, Nebuchadnezzar will be marching on Egypt and passing through the city where they are, They would have stayed in, um, in uh, Palestine. And you know, the way God, God wants us to follow him by faith. So Jeremiah didn't come and say, um, God says you should stay here. Because you see, the place you want to go to in Egypt, the, Nebuchadnezzar is going to march to Egypt on, through that road and you're going to all be killed if they might had brought the message like that, some people may have thought twice, but that's not the way faith works. Don't, don't go to Egypt, stay here. This is where I want you to stay, period. If you believe God, you stay. If you don't believe God, it's the same thing in, in Genesis 26. Everybody was going to Egypt because there was a famine, you know? And the reason was not too, too far to find, uh, um, uh, too far-fetched. Uh, um, uh, denial is there. So if there's a drought, everybody goes to Egypt. It's, it's, it's common knowledge. But God came to Isaac and said, don't follow them. Stay here. This is where I will bless you. Isaac stayed. And that's how he began to explode in his uh, prosperity and increase. You know? yes. So for, staying with what God is saying is how to live life as a spiritual person.
1: Thank you, Doctor. Another question someone asks, when people on the street ask for for money, is it okay to give them gifts in kind instead, like food? Some people advise against giving cash, especially in cultures where your money can be used
0: for juju. What do you advise? (laughs) You know, um, Romans 8.14 always holds true. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're children of God. Somebody asks you for money. Uh-uh. Dial upstairs now. Should I give them? know, They say give them. Give them. Period. You know, there is nothing as powerful as being led by the Spirit of God. So whether they are going to make juju, they are going to, all of that is of none of their business. Whatever they do, they will, they will suffer the consequences, you see. Because you see, the anointing that said give them, ah, that anointing would take everything all the way to the end.
1: Hallelujah. Now, another person asks, why does God bless or prosper people beyond their
0: needs? Why doesn't God just give you what you need? Why does he give you more than enough? Oh, no, I have preached a message once that God gave me. And that message was titled Three Levels of Prosperity. That's level one that is based on um, Philippians 4.19. For my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Okay? All your needs. But then, that's level two. In 2 Corinthians 9, I think verse 8 or 10, one of them, that you, having All sufficiency in all things it now can abound unto all manners of good work. So now we're not talking about your need, we are not we are talking about increased capacity for good in the world where God has blessed you, your needs are met, but now you know He's making you a channel of blessing everywhere in such diverse ways. That's level two, but that's still level three, prosperity. That's what we call strategic wealth. Solomon, King Solomon had strategic wealth because he prospered. Everybody in Israel prospered. The Bible said silver was like stone in Israel in the days of King Solomon. So you see, when you have strategic wealth, it has gone beyond having all sufficiency for your own needs, abounding into every good work. The very fact that you have prospered, everybody else is prospering. There, there are many dimensions of your prosperity that is blessing them, reaching out to them. A whole nation is prospering as a result. That's what we call strategic wealth. Okay. So, so, so uh, 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 everybody decides, you know, what they can handle. You know, but what, what you can handle depends on the kind of heart you have. There are many people, yeah, <laughs> their, their, their wealth is, so, is something else, you know. They, they, they use it for all kinds of things, you know. And there are others, so sacrificial, you know, they wish they had a, a lot more, you know. They're so spontaneous and so sacrificial, you know. And, and they gave with no strings attached. You know, that's how we, we, we learned. In, after we learned giving in school, we came to Lagos. We met a few rich Christians. In those days, there were so few, you know. And we learned a lot from them. Because one brother told us that uh, one way to give people things is to give them something that if they come to say, brother, lend me, lend me 500 naira, okay? So when you lend them that 500 naira, don't expect it back. If they return it all well and good so that you'll not go tomorrow knocking on their door. What about that, my uh, 500 naira? It was a very important lesson. And he spread because we're all coming up, all trying to uh, develop ourselves and, and, and invest. And he and gave us that principle so that, um, you know, people will not see you coming in the fellowship and they will be hiding, you know, I, 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 I don't want to see that God, I haven't returned the money I took from him, no, 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 <laughs> so, 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 so we learned that from all those uh, uh, brethren, you know, who, who, who had um, uh, quite some sufficient income and many people used to go to them, you know, for different reasons and they helped so many people. You know, so 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 uh, uh, prospering you beyond your need. Is, it depends on the type of heart God sees in you, you know, and 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 that's why you see when God blesses you, you know, in in those ways, you don't want to fail Him by not fulfilling His vision about the wealth He has given you, because uh, whatever He has given me, you know, I must I must use it with with without gain. That's why you see when 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 all of a sudden preacher started saying if you invite me it's a first class ticket it's a five star hotel you know it, it, it became ridiculous it became ridiculous you know in the early days we slept on benches we slept in people's uh, guest rooms we stayed it it, it, it it didn't go there to 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 have a comfortable uh, hotel to sleep in. no you went there to preach you know so 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 all those things just messed up everything. So it's like their gift is now for sale or for trading. No, I've slept in all kinds of places, basements, every, everywhere, anywhere, you know, because you just want to, to share the gospel. You know, we slept on benches put together, side by side, whatever. So, so that's it. The same thing with, with uh, uh, whatever gift you possess, you know, you make it available for the kingdom of God as the spirit leads you. Thank you, uh, Doctor. And a final question. Please, sir, can you talk about
1: the balance between uh, seeking prosperity in order to be a blessing? And <laughs> the other side is there are people who preach against wealth. They see wealth as evil and corrupting. So can you give us a final word on oh, that? Oh, there is so nothing wrong about
0: uh, prosperity. And um, uh, um, prosperity doesn't really, nobody goes to be seeking prosperity, you know. The way prosperity comes to the believer, you know, it's like I I, I told people that um, I was very careful in my giving until I was sitting in church and I gave an offering of one naira. It was our evening service and we had an offering, we used to call it poor offering. I gave one naira. And the Holy Spirit whispered to me, don't do that again. Okay. When 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 anytime you have an offering plate before you, the minimum you must give is five naira. Okay. You've had you may have had me tell the story. So we went from five naira. The next year he said, you can't stay in the same place. So we went to five naira, ten naira. And next year he, he said, You can't stay in the same place. Then we went to 20 naira. Then the next year he was like, it, um, anything beyond this is unsustainable. we have to move you out into something else. That's how we went and started a business, you know? So but the whole thing started off from the offering in the church. It wasn't, um, oh, I, I won this, I won that. No, 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 no. It, it was something that grew out of the relationship, you know, a, a walk with God. That's the way it should be, you know? Not that I would sit down and say, oh, oh make me a treasurer, if I have money, I will, I will fund the kingdom. <laughs> How much are you funded with the one little you have? That's like the, <laughs> that, that's like the, the, the debate I had with God when, I was, uh, when they were telling me about tithing. I said, Lord, if you bring new money, I will pay tight. This one, I, I can't pay tight because it's not enough. <laughs> and the spirit whispered to me, if you cannot give from what you have, you cannot give from what you will get. I said, Lord, trust me. If, I, if you bring new money, I will, I will give from it. <laughs> but, you know, cut a long story short, nothing moved until I started uh, doing what God said. And then the doors opened in the, while I was in the university. And I was getting all kinds of uh, 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 part-time jobs uh, in broadcasting, in Lagos, in Yenugu, in Ibada. You know, everywhere I went, I had favor. You know, it was amazing.
1: Thank you very much, Doctor. Please pray for us, sir.
0: Father, we are so grateful for this story and the feeding of the 5,000 that a little boy made it possible for our Lord Jesus Christ to be such an awesome blessing to so many people. Father, please make us like that little boy Mm -hmm. that we may always be willing and available to be used by you to be a blessing to others so that the kingdom of our God will prosper in our hands. Thank you, O God, for everyone under the sound of my voice. And as many as are yet to know you, Lord Jesus, touch them now. And wherever you are, if you have not known Jesus, just say to him, Lord Jesus, please come into my heart now and be my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for hearing us, for it is in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.